Hi, good afternoon. This is Risa, and with me today I have Miss Sky Levels, and I'm just going to ask her a few questions uh, just to get to know a little bit about her. Hi, Sky. Hi. How are you? I'm doing very well. Okay, so you're Sky Levels. Uh, can you just tell me where you got that name from? Well, one day I was uh, sitting. I lived in Queens uh, for many years, Queens, New York, uh, Springfield Gardens. And um, I was sitting in the room and it was a, I had painted the room like a, I wanted a scenery like the ocean and it was blue. The walls were blue to represent the ocean and uh, these white lace curtains. And I just sat there and, you know, I just wanted a change in life because the life I was living wasn't the life I wanted. So I asked the universe to give me a name. Sky levels came to it sky levels came to it just like that yes sky levels was the name because it was no matter uh, what I was doing in life that I could take the next level I didn't have to be in the situation that I was in and I was in a situation that I did not want to be in I was married I uh, married a guy from Jamaica West Indies uh, at the time I do believe that I wanted to get married, uh, have a foundation and to grow. I had a daughter at that time who was young and I did not want her around a whole lot of uh, different people. And uh, so I wanted to get married around this time. I was uh, maybe 25, 26 years old. And um, that's where Sky Levels came in. Um, before Sky Levels, I was called other names as well, but um, Sky Levels was the one that stuck with me because no matter where you go in life, uh, what you do in life, uh, you have to continue to take that next level in life and make a difference in your life and people who you are around. Okay, so that sky levels the blue walls and the white legs curtains and in a situation with uh, being married and uh, setting a foundation. Uh, did you set a foundation um, at that time um, with the name? Well, yes and no. I did do many things after... Uh, getting that name and um, I was uh, impressed that I could uh, continue to move forward in life no matter what the circumstances were uh, or how bad they were. That name gave me the courage to keep on moving forward no matter what. Okay, so uh, let's go back a little bit before Sky Levels. Um, Let's go back to your childhood and being born in Florence, South Carolina. Uh, can you tell us uh, anything that you remember from childhood and growing up? 
Well, growing up, I felt isolated. Um, there were a lot of people in my life when I was growing up. Uh, basically, uh, my mom was there for a short period. I don't remember her actually being there in my life as a mother figure. I heard a lot of bad things about her uh, during this time and that she wasn't a good lady and uh, she did a, long, a lot of wrong things to my father, which my father uh, basically raised me until I was 14. He died. Um, oh, your father died when you were 14. Um, how did that affect you? Well, it affected me in many ways because, like I said, growing up, um, I was kind of isolated and felt alone. And uh, my mom wasn't there in my life. And my dad, he um, somewhat did the best he could, I believe. Um, but uh, that's life. Um, I want to give you a clear answer. Um, my mom, um, at that time, she wasn't in my life. I grew up learning a lot on my own. Um, I kept myself isolated. I learned how to braid hair on Raggedy Ann. Um, I used to sit underneath the stairs in a uh, of the house that we lived in on Park Avenue in Roosevelt, Long Island, and I would separate myself from my stepsisters and brothers. Uh, it was my play area, and uh, I spent a lot of my time in there. Uh, the adults in the house really did not care if I was there or not. That was my understanding as a young kid. Um, that sounds very, uh, cruel for the adults to have treating you that way. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about, uh, what you can remember, uh, during that childhood stage when you felt so alone? Well, there was many things I went through as a child. I remember around the holidays, uh, no one really celebrated my birthday. Um, at nighttime, I would sneak out of the bed or underneath the stairs to come out to eat fruits and nuts. <laughs> now when I think about it, it, I kind of felt like I was a little roacher or something, uh, just creeping out uh, when there was no one around. Oh my gosh, that's a, a, a roach. <laughs> Yeah, that's what's what roaches do. You know, they come out when nobody's around and uh, get what they need. And then, then run back and go so they don't get killed. So do you mean that you kind of felt like you could have got killed or your life was in danger when you was a young child? Of course, many of times I have had uh, times well where I choked on nuts and Nobody was there. Uh, there was a time I went into the bathroom trying to go to the medicine cabinet and fell off of the sink onto the floor, bust my head open, and uh, they found me unconscious. The next morning, I don't know how many hours, 
Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you really didn't have anybody there for you when you was growing up. Well, yeah, I had some people that were there, um, but, you know, they were young and didn't know how to raise kids. And back then in the 60s and 70s, uh, people were just having kids and didn't know how to raise them. That's how I look at it. So, okay, that makes sense. I, I kind of been in those situations too. I could understand that. So I have another question for you. Um, I read something somewhere that um, your father uh, uh, kidnapped you from your mother. Uh, yeah, there. I don't know the whole story, but I do remember um, when I was maybe around three or four, two, three or four, somewhere in that age, and um, my mom, my dad kid, kidnapped um, myself and my siblings from my mom, and he took us um, to South Carolina. At this time, I was we had moved from South Carolina to New York and um, my dad um, took us to South Carolina to stay with his sister and soon after that my mom came looking for us and uh, she came to my uh, father's sister's house looking for us and um, his siblings took me and my siblings to the cornfield and held their hands over our mouths um, when my mom was calling us and we couldn't scream. And she was calling, she was calling, uh, calling out my name and uh, I couldn't answer. And then she drove away uh, fast in the car and all I could see was the dust. Wow. That must have been really horrifying for you and your siblings. Yes, as uh, far as I can remember, it was a tragedy. Um, but um, we made it through. Okay, I have another question. So when you got to New York, do you what do you remember as far as growing up with your... Uh, stepmother and her children. Well, like I said before, I, I felt really isolated and always kept to myself. And my siblings really did not like me because I looked so much like my mom. So they used to pick at me, my lips, and they were big, and I looked like my mom and things like that and I got blamed for things that I did not do and um, just got in trouble for things that I did not do. So you were like Cinderella? Yes, I was the really true black Cinderella. Okay, I have another question. So you're growing up and you're being Cinderella did you have ever uh, been like um, molested or anything growing up as a child or, you know, any really, really bad things happened to you? And 
Yes, um, I have been molested and raped and uh, I remember I remember my first experience with uh, intercourse and I was with uh, my stepsister and she had a boyfriend and I used to follow her around everywhere she went. I just admired her and looked up to her because I thought she cared about me. Um, there was one day uh, we went to her boyfriend's house and uh, they were in this room and I was sitting in another room watching television and she told me to come into the room. So I go into the room, she comes out and she said, no, you stay. And her boyfriend, um, I didn't know what he was doing at this time and uh, he told me to lay down and undress me and um, he put himself inside of me. He put himself inside of you? Yes. This hard, long piece of hard wood went inside of me and it burned and it hurt and I'll never forget that feeling ever again. You mean tell me your stepsister let this happen to you? Yes, she did. But I didn't realize the effect of what happened to me until many years later, decades later, actually. Uh, that was my first encounter of being taken uh, advantage of. And there were many others uh, in between that. I just thought that that was the way of life of, you know, um, as far as uh, someone else encountering your body without knowing what you were doing. So you call it uh, encountering? Uh, yes. Um, that's what I call it. How did you get over that? It took me many years to uh, get over it um, I had to the point where I wasn't a really sexual person. Um, I would lie about uh, having sex or wanting to have sex when I did get older enough to realize what it was all about. And even to this day, it's not such a big deal for me. Uh, to have it or not, uh, not because of the bad experience. It's just that it's, uh, it's not really necessary uh, to uh, have a sexual relationship, healthy relationship with someone. So um, I've gotten over it. Um, like I said, there were many others after that, uh, those encounters. Okay, so I have another question. Um, after all of those encounters, um, did you and your mom ever get a chance to be together after the cornfield? Yes. It was many years later. Um, I was uh, living in Queens and my mom at this time was living in Queens too. 
and she had a place and uh, she was preparing herself to come back to uh, South Carolina uh, to live and start all over again. And so uh, she told me uh, that I could take her apartment, uh, the apartment that I had. I was actually looking for another place to live and she said I can have her apartment and her and her landlord was really close and I wouldn't have to pay the security and all of that, that I could just move in and so I did. And my mom moved to South Carolina. She was doing good, she was working. Um, uh, I forgot to mention that she was an alcoholic uh, for many years. And at this point she had um, gotten to the point where she was tired and uh, she wanted to make a change in her life. And so she was gonna come back to South Carolina and live. And we became really close. And um, I got to hear her side of the story. And a lot of things that I was told about her were not true. And I'm glad that we had that opportunity to do that. And from my understanding, your mom died in uh, 2006. Yes, in August of 2006. Next question. I hear that um, you were, someone told me that you used to, you love music and uh, you really love music and that you were also a DJ at one point in your life. Yes, that is true. Um, I was a DJ for a couple of years, I would say two years. This was back in the 80s, 86, 87. And um, how that became about is that um, I came across this man, his name was I-Man and he owned a record shop and he wanted me to work at the record shop. And so I started working in a record shop and it was uh, strictly reggae music. And I did not know anything about, well, I did know things about reggae music. And, but he opened all of the avenues and corners for me to uh, master uh, reggae music. And so um, it was a front store and it was dark when I started, but I did bring it to life. Uh, we started to go out and uh, get music from uh, different areas, um, VP Records, Moody Records, um, so many others that I really can't remember. And uh, I used to go to Jamaica and get dub plates and bring them back. And um, it was a really good store. I really got into the music. Um, I read, uh, met a lot of artists uh, uh, that were not famous at the time, or not famous, but you know, uh, that were not known um, at the time. And uh, now they're really big in um, reggae music. Uh, some have passed on. Um, I've met artists like uh, Sister Carol, Freddie McGregor, Dennis Brown, uh, George Nooks, uh, these are people uh, that I really did get to know, actually spend time with them. 
um, on different levels. And um, so uh, a lot of people who had knew me back then uh, at this time, um, I used to do remix tapes. I started from one to, I don't know what I got to, but they were remix tapes. And I would sell these tapes. 60 minutes were like five, seven dollars and 90 minutes were like $15. Wow, you had a little business going on. Yeah, I did, and it was fun. And, you know, I loved doing what I was doing. So um, I sold tapes across the world. I mean, people would come into the store um, who were not, you know, from New York or the States, uh, had uh, people from the UK and Jamaica and Africa and Canada, South America, you know, Cuba, uh, Central America. And, uh, you know, they will buy my tapes and my tapes were so good that people would actually stay inside the store until the tape were completed. Um, I got so many orders that, um, Iman, he was the owner of the store, had to go out and get me um, equipment that I could uh, speed up the uh, duplicates of my mixes. So I was doing very well. The store was doing very well. And uh, uh, I became a DJ package. Then I was DJ package. And I did a little few things like weddings and birthday parties and had a couple of sets and would battle here and there. But that was short-lived, but it was a really, really good experience. DJ Package, huh? They called you DJ Package, yes. So um, after, after the music and DJing, um, what did you do after that? Well, after that, um, I had to get a really, I had to get a job because um, I got in a little bit of trouble in Jamaica and um, got in some trouble abroad and um, I had to really uh, think seriously about my life and my daughter uh, going farther. Uh, so I had to work and I started out as uh, answering service. Uh, where we would take calls for uh, mostly um, hospitals, uh, doctors, uh, so it's doctors, hospitals, and um, other little small companies. Um, after that, I got into uh, security, home monitoring, um, when your alarm goes off in your house, uh, I would get the signal or company would get the signal and we would send the police or the fire department. It was fun too, I learned a lot in that. Um, I rose to, you know, be a manager in that field. Uh, then after that, I did some um, legal services um, where a uh, legal plan I got involved with, uh, which we sold legal plans to employee assistant programs. Basically, long story short with that is similar to uh, having a healthcare medical plan, um, but uh, there was a legal aspect into your benefits. Um, 
you being an employee, uh, you would have access to legal services that would be discounted for you. So there was a business that uh, was starting and working and to make this happen for employees. And I did that for a very long time, uh, which I thought that we were going to have stocks and all types of things. And I stayed into it until, you know, it was, it just didn't work out. Okay, so you worked in there just seem like so many things. I know you're leaving out a lot of stuff, but, and I know we don't have a whole lot of time. Um, I have read something about um, you. Um, I mean, this has just been out there. I, I really wasn't going to ask you this question, but I think that it will only be right. We know that you've been divorced and... Um, can you tell us, um, cause I read something that you were, uh, in love, uh, with someone a long time ago and really, uh, messed you up and, uh, you lost your, uh, confidence and you were so heartbroken. And, uh, this is why I'm doing an interview because I want to find out how you were really doing and, how that relationship uh, affected uh, your life because I saw you out there uh, many years ago, you know, in your groups and other groups and you were just out there and so vibrant and happy and you didn't say much, but you were doing your thing and people recognized you. We didn't know how you look for a few years while you were out there, but you had, uh, you were sky levels and, and everybody recognized when you came into their group, it was, a it was a plus that you had recognized them. And I know you were in my group and I always loved when you came by, even though you just said hi and, and then you were gone, you know, you was all over the place. So I heard that you fell in love with, uh, someone and they really really messed you up can you tell me a little bit about that you don't have to tell me everything but I just want to know um, and I think that a lot of other people would like to know what happened to you after that what happened to you oh boy well it wasn't, uh, it was really bad. Um, I did, uh, fell for someone who I did not know. Uh, the feeling to me was really real and it was powerful. And, um, I, I really did fell for this guy and I was scared too. And I knew when I did that it would it would make a whole difference it would be a whole turnaround in my life so um I knew I was in trouble um so I left his group and I already had a group he did not know it but I just went back to my group I just felt that um he wanted 
someone else other than myself um, and I really couldn't handle it I was so broken and uh, I did meet him um, I did meet him maybe face to face maybe like a year and a half when I fell for him I did meet him um, we did not have any sexual intercourse, uh, intercourse, um, but we did have a sexual experience, um, only because I thought that's what he wanted. I really did want to get to know him and who he was. Uh, at the time, I believed that he was checking out someone else and um, really fell for the other person. And um, I had to accept that. It took me a long, long time to accept that. Um, he did not want me to be that part in his life. And it uh, really crushed me. I did go on in my group um, as long as I could bear it. Um, and uh, I was heartbroken. <laughs> I was just heartbroken and it took me a long time to realize, you know, uh, it's not all about me, you know, you can't tell love what to do. Um, if somebody else is uh, feeling something for someone else, you just have to let it be. So you just let it be? Did you uh, confront the other person or did you know the other person or what happened? Well, I kind of feel like um, I did know the other person. I believe it was my, um, I was believing that it was my best friend. Uh, we'd known each other for 30 plus years. I was living with her uh, at the time. And I believe that um, the uh, person that I fell in love with fell in love with my best friend. And, uh, kind of felt that they were making fun at me uh, that they were together and building a relationship uh, behind my back and getting stronger and uh, that's what I felt and uh, when I started feeling that way I, I really start to feel like how could they do that to me you know, all these thoughts, you know, being broken, heartbroken, you know, I start to feel like they started to build a relationship and they got together and, uh, wait, let me stop you. So are you and your, you mean your best, your best friend? You thought that they were together? Yes. And something tells me to this day that I was not wrong about that. Um, I did ask her. Uh, if it was true uh, but she denied it um, but I believe it's true um, I have actually uh, gotten over it um, on, on both parts uh, because I feel that um, uh, the person that I did I won't mention the name the person that I did um, uh, fell in love with uh could have helped uh, me and the things that I wanted to do in life as far as 
uh, entertainment, singing or acting, whatever I wanted to do, I kind of felt that he would have been the uh, person, the go-to person. And um, my best friend, um, we don't talk anymore. Uh, she doesn't call or anything. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we are not friends anymore. So, um, do you think that they're in a relationship or is it still going on or man, I couldn't really see my best friend and a person, um, I fell in love with hook up together and, uh, just left you like that. Well, yeah, that's life. You know, uh, things happen. And like I said, you can't tell love what to do. Uh, I believe that. Um, they had a better chance as far as uh, building what they wanted to build. Uh, she wanted to um, be in control over entertainment. Uh, I believe that was his mindset to start to change um, things the way there were as far as um, movies, clothing, uh, uh, just everything. Uh, Clothing, music, all the things we look at, all the things we buy, eat, all of that stuff. So they kind of uh, would have made a better combination. Um, I do believe that they were in the process of building their relationship. They were uh, taking advantage of a lot of my ideas and incorporating it as their ideas uh, so that's when I kind of got quiet and don't speak out loud or say what I'm doing or what I want to do. Because if I did, it would be in a commercial on the radio the next day. So do you feel like they were spying on you and taking your ideas and using them as their own? Absolutely. I do. But it's okay. They can have that. And... Uh, I would have to say one other thing uh, as far as my best friend uh, when I did come to stay with her in a time of need um, prior to coming to her I was in a bad situation and a bad relationship and I just wanted to get away and start all over and I thought by coming to her we can build each other uh, confidence and um, build each other up and maybe do something together um, when I went to her house, she was not in a, uh, she, I mean, she had a home and everything and that's all you need in her family. Um, uh, when I came there, uh, no one was working. Um, she had married someone, uh, who was in prison for all his life and they've been married for 10 plus years and, Nobody was working. Um, they smoke weed every day, got drunk, party hard, play cards. And um, I was concerned more about my best friend because she uh, said that she was injured and she was in a lot of back pain and uh, she was taking opioids and she was addicted to them. And when I was at her house, I would go out on the balcony at night and I would pray and um, ask God to heal her, uh, take away her pain and not let her be on opioids. And um, if she was the one 
that was with the one that I loved, then she would, uh, she deserves to be happy. So I did pray for her to be happy. And if, if she was the one, um, then I would be okay with it. I did get to a point where I was not okay with it because then she began to lie to me and he began to lie to me and she started laughing at me and I just, you know, I'm very sensitive and I pick up on people and I kind of uh, know where it's coming from. I still did not let that bother me. Um, I prayed and the person that I did uh, fall for we just call him W. W was um, had told me early in when he found out how I felt about him. Um, he did say a couple of things to me that I kind of realized later on. Uh, he said, first thing he said to me was that I was great. This is just in a conversation. Uh, next conversation, I only pick out one word of his conversation that I was great. Um, he wanted to know how I do what I was doing as far as in the groups. And I told him it wouldn't work for him. Uh, he would have to find his own. Um, the second thing that, second word that he had told me was I should stop looking at myself that way. I really didn't know what that meant. Um, and then he also told me to uh, record um, record the things that I said. And I kind of thought that was a cool idea. And then, you know, years later, I realized that uh, recording what I said uh, they could listen on to what I'm saying. And I was recording a lot and crying and sitting out in the rain and drinking my beers and just pouring my heart out on these recordings. And years later, I thought about all the things that he said in all those recordings. And I kind of got the feeling that my best friend and W were just listening to all the things that I was saying and and laughing at me, you know, cause he did also said that I would be in the background at one point. Um, what else did he say? I uh, said, I loved him. He loved me. And we didn't know why we loved each other, uh, and hung up the phone. Uh, so in the beginning, like when I really did tell him how I felt about him, um, seems like it just went downhill. I should have just waited and uh, got to know him. Um, but my heart was just telling me that I loved him. <laughs> and that was all I knew. So it was kind of my fault. Well, that's quite interesting. But I'm still kind of confused. Because if he and your girlfriend are together, that's almost kind of like you were double-crossed. Yeah, I used to look at it that way, but uh, I don't feel that way anymore. Um, I used to uh, talk and talk to God um, to help me out of situations and um, to build me up and to 
let me go stronger and you know just not think about it in that sense just think about it as a positive way um, they could have double crossed me and um, I asked God I said well if, if they did that and I believe that my uh, sister uh, well I'll say my best friend my sister and W you know I I I couldn't imagine them doing that to me but it's it's definitely possible that they could do that to me um, I don't know why um, so I used to think that way and I used to talk myself to God out of situations and heal my heart and I am healed um, but now um, it's all over and I let it all go I don't think about it in that way now it seems as though my mind is like tells me what's going on with them like uh, for instance the other uh, since I've been off the truck it hasn't been what I have to say is what's being said to me I've been told that um, they are well off and uh, they are doing things in different areas as far as entertainment um, a lot is going on uh, I can't really talk to her um, anymore because um, he would block me from talking to her because they feel that if I talk to her I would make her feel guilty about the uh, decisions that they have made uh, between themselves and uh, they don't want her to feel any type of way they want her to continue on uh, improving uh, and uh, inspiring uh, the world and uh, giving people her views and people are following her and doing the things that she want them to do as Mimi uh, something like her name uh, she's some type of mother and she influenced people and stuff and uh, if I was to talk to her she would start to feel guilty and start crying uh, she start crying about stuff and um, W loves her so much uh, that he doesn't want anything to uh, bother her and I will be a bother to her and uh, neither one of them would uh, accept the fact that I could forgive them uh, for what they've done because if they were in my shoes they wouldn't be able to do the same thing so they keep me uh, far away from um, keep me away and don't uh, let me try to uh, communicate with uh, anyone or anyone communicate with me because they still spy on me so whatever I say they put it uh, forth out there and um, it wouldn't be as if it came from me but it came from them so you mean like they spying on you, taking your ideas and doing stuff and uh, saying that it's them after what they did to you? They still want to do that to you? Honestly, yes. I, I believe that. Only thing I want to do now is to, you know, just do me and make a better uh, place for the world too I have some ambi ambitions that I want to do to 
um, inspire people and um, I don't think it's fair that it has to be just them to um, uh, set steps for people to follow just their leaves at uh, their way of life I believe that people should have uh, choices um, and they should be able to have options to choose uh, these things I am very forgiving and um, I do love people and um, I just want the world to be a better place too. I mean, I can forgive. I have forgiven them for what they have done uh, to me. And I mean, it just wasn't meant to be because if it was, it would have happened a long time ago. Uh, so I have gotten over it and I have healed and only thing that has made me is to know is that life goes on. I wake up in the morning, I expect to see the sun. Even if it's cloudy and raining, I may not see it bright, but I know it's there and I just want to move forward. Well, you know what, Sky, I am speechless. Because I really couldn't see myself actually doing what you do. And I want you to come back on my show because I know that um, we have not really gotten into depths about everything. It was just bits and pieces of uh, kind of got the gist of who you are. And I just want to say uh, thank you for uh, coming on to uh, my podcast today and uh, sharing a little information. Uh, well, it was a whole lot. And I'm, I am really uh, impressed of the type of person that you are. And um, the next time that you're on the show, uh, we could talk about uh, more in depth about uh, your childhood and um, where you want to go, where you want to go to the next level. I want to be right there with you and see you do it. So thank you for being here today. And I'm going to pray for you. And I love you. And uh, thank you so much. And I am speechless. Speechless. I just want to say that those people, W and your sister best friend, they don't know how blessed they are because if there's anything in what you're telling me is true thank you well thank you and uh, I look forward to coming back on your show you kind of caught me off guard today I wasn't prepared and I know I was all over the place but um, yeah that's me I love people I love life I like to share joy, peace, and happiness, even when I'm sad, down, and lonely. Um, I still smile. I keep a smile on my face. And thank you for having me, and I look forward to coming back on your show again. I can't wait till you back on my show again. This is Risa, podcast live with Sky Levels. Thank you for listening.